You may notice that the tone of these 12 Rants of Christmas shifts from day to day. Yesterday, for example, I had an, what I can only consider an eight minute nervous breakdown about the concept of New Year's. So today, let's keep the tone nice and relaxed and discuss something else just really lighthearted and chilled. Politics. And before you click the next episode button, don't worry, I'm not here to sell you on any particular ideology or political party today. Instead, what I want to discuss is how we ourselves discuss politics and specifically how that discussion factors and the factors that influence that discussion broke the world. Traditionally, political discourse has been spread across two different divides, left and right liberal or conservative. In America, you've got Democrat or Republican. Or in Ireland, you've got people who can't buy houses versus people who already own them. People from both sides hate the other side. In their extremes, they represent each other's polar opposite world viewpoints. So if someone from the left shows up to a party organized by someone from the right, they'll instantly feel that each other's night is ruined by default. When they're young, most people decent, uh, start, most decent people that don't come from wealthy backgrounds start more over on the left because, yeah, look, it's easy to look at the world for the first time and think everyone should earn the same amount of money, have the same size homes, and access the same levels of education, health services, and public amenities. Then you get a job for the first time, and you notice that you work a little harder than Vinny. Vinny regularly shows up late for work, he doesn't do his fill, and you generally have to finish some of the stuff that he's told to do because you have some pride in your work and actually give a shit. An opportunity to get promoted and become a supervisor comes up. You're now used to having some money and doing nice things at the weekend with your friends and your partner, so you fancy an extra weekend away and some of the perks that have come with that promotion. So you put in an application. So you apply and interview for the job, but then fucking Vinny ends up getting it because, god damn it, Vinny is a charismatic fucker who can do an interview. And it's at that moment where you realize that life just isn't fair. Sure, yeah, maybe we all deserve the same opportunities and access to vital services, but when it comes to getting an extra weekend away, why should fucking Vinny have it and not you when you work harder than him? And whether you class yourself as interested in politics or not, that kind of begins the sliding scale across the spectrum of left versus right that all of us will go through and be at different stages of throughout our life. Like, do you want a bigger house? Or if you earn extra money, do you think your kids should get access to quicker medical services than others if there's an emergency? And kids are actually a really interesting one that put even the most ardent left-wing people to the test. Put it this way, on one hand, why should any children have better opportunities than others when it comes to education? Surely, regardless of background, any child that could be capable of curing the world of cancer should be given the chance to do so from the ground up. And that sounds fair and reasonable from where we can all benefit from it, right? On the other hand, look at it this way. You win the Eurovillians tomorrow and you're looking at education opportunities for your kids. And we can all agree in theory that everyone should have the same access but is it not irresponsible parenting to ensure your child has the best possible opportunities to available to them? Congratulations, if you picked that you should get the best opportunities, you're now officially a Tory. I'm not even taking a stance here, just underscoring how when the challenges, experiences and perspectives of life adds kind of shades of grey to issues that look black and white on paper. There's no simple answers and anyone who thinks there is needs to live a little bit more. 
Another way I like to think of the divide is to use my beloved Star Wars and look at the Jedi and the Sith. The Jedi believe that emotions are a threat and are taught from a young age to suppress the likes of fear, anger, and even the fear of losing someone which they believe make them weak. Although they're portrayed as evil, the cornerstone of the Sith's existence are actually probably more relatable to you and I. Be driven by your emotions and passions. Think of when Anakin Skywalker and he submits to the dark side of the Sith and becomes Darth Vader. It's because he has a rational fear that his beloved Padme is in danger and a desire to protect her and his unborn children. Most right-minded people would agree that these aren't evil impulses, they're natural, responsible, and if anything, could be considered heroic. On paper, if anything, the real in the real world, trying to remain emotionless to even those closest to you and not let that deter you from achieving your goals is a mindset more consistent with psychopaths. But also when you watch the movies and you see how these characters let these motives play out, you can see how there's advantages and disadvantages to both. The Sith aren't wrong for feeling a sense of duty and protectiveness towards those they love, but not at the cost of everything else. Whereas the Jedi's view of balance and perspectives has advantages, but also allows them to be misguided, naive, and easily manipulated in ways that are absolutely infuriating to watch in hindsight. In a similar sense, though people on the extreme end and left and right are actually repulsed by each other's existence, it's the nuance in the middle that necessitates both viewpoints existing in order to provide somewhat of a sane sense of balance. It's not that either side is unilaterally correct about particular viewpoints and one is wrong, but the left and right both existing simultaneously, like the Jedi and the Sith, is something that needs to happen in an ideal world. We can only actually grow by having alternate viewpoints and constantly challenging them at every juncture to find that nice sweet spot of balance in the middle. And unfortunately, even though we can realise that on a base level that both sides need to exist and be in constant conversation, we actually kind of broke that viewpoint. I've discussed this at length, so I won't get too deep into the details, but nowadays, algorithms concocted by social media and tech companies contrive to filter information so that it's something we're more receptive to. In a way that the world previously couldn't because the barrier to entry for being a provider of information was so high, and therefore they were held to a higher standard of accountability and having to provide balanced viewpoints, now we've kind of opened the dam. If something someone says challenges me in any way, I can easily make it so digitally that they never darken my door again. I can also do this to such a degree that with minimal effort, I can eliminate entire subject matters or publications no matter how big or powerful they are. If I wanted to, I can make it so my only source of information of what's going on in the world is the YouTube channel of Nigel, the local conspiracy theorist who in his spare time flashes his penis to unsuspecting women in the local shop's car park. To make this worse, the algorithm will then pick up on this and not only feed me more of the same kind of content over and over to the point that I could believe in something that only 13 other people on the entire planet care about and become convinced that it's actually the most dominant opinion. And while there's a level of appeal to disability on a superficial level, i.e. if I don't see things that might upset me, then my daily mental health will improve, the risk is now that I've, I've now put myself into a bubble where I can go from not to car park flasher in no amount of time at all. That sounds insane, and I'm using extreme examples here, but what's most insane for me about the entire scenario is that all of us are doing this in some way, shape or form. 
Technology has meant that the way we share and receive information has changed forever, so it's impossible to avoid doing this entirely, myself very much included. The end result of all of that is that you may have noticed by picking up a paper or even trying to get a Lewis home from work only to realize that said Lewis is now on fire that the world has gone a bit insane and it's now impacting our daily lives in very real ways. The reason for this is simple to me. Because we started limiting how we receive our information, we started to treat political discourse and how we see the world like we treat following our local football club. If anything, if a player on my football team is hated by opposing fans, for example, the chances are that I actually love him. Maybe he goes in a bit hard on tackles, maybe he talks shit in the media in a way that really winds up opposing teams and fans, or is really good at giving it a bit extra in the penalty box and diving for some penalties that win games. Similarly, if my player goes down for a contentious penalty or my manager is an interview complaining that the ref is against them, whether I'm right or wrong, I'm going to double down on whatever I think benefits my team without asking too many questions. And there's nothing wrong with that when it comes to sport because sport is essentially just a fun pastime. And part of the fun in it is the banter and slagging we have with other fans or being totally blind with loyalty towards your team because that level of devotion is one that will pay off one day when Man United slaughter Liverpool. But let's now apply that to the real world. Donald Trump, for example, is the current betting favorite to be re-elected to the White House in the 2024 election. And this is all in spite of major courts throughout the United States upholding allegations of insurrection on January 6th that would, as many people believe should, disqualify him from being able to run for office. It's in spite of him blatantly saying that he intends to approach what would be his second term with a dictator style from day one, being impeached during his previous term, supporting known Ku Klux Klan leaders and opposing Black Lives Matters protests, being accused of being a Russian spy and promoting COVID conspiracy theories like, at one stage, encouraging people to drink bleach. His supporters, though, don't care about this. He's like the prick footballer that does all the things you know are wrong, but because he's yours, you love him. Seriously, look at interviews with MAGA voters at Donald Trump rallies when they're asked about this, and their response is basically an attempt to intellectualize whenever sports fans stick their fingers up at other fans and go, yeah, fuck you, yeah, fuck you, you fucking prick, way. Because no matter what he does, his voters can find a corner of the internet or their pub where they'll chat among other people who tell them that it's not a big deal and how they're all sticking it to all those pricks who don't like Trump. And it's not like Trump is the first ever bad person, quote unquote, to run for political office. But what we're losing now in the ability to get a full scale of the picture is the ability to think critically ourselves about issues and decide things based on what's right. And instead, we're making decisions based off things we don't actually understand because the algorithm has fucked all of our heads seven ways from Sunday. So we tend to make decisions based on stuff like catchy slogans and red hats. If you're a similar political leanings to me, you're probably sitting there right now feeling pretty fucking smug about yourself and going, yeah, well, look, that's the right for you. And the right are idiots. You never catch that happening to me. But let's put that to the test then and use the same logic to look at a much, much less black and white issue that's relevant today that doesn't necessarily fall down the left-right divide, divide, at least in a clean way. Let's look at Israel's war with Palestine. 
And for what it's worth, on a broad scale, my moral leanings on the matter are very much that Palestine should be freed, the ongoing genocide in, in Gaza is wrong, and that Israel is a world-scale author authoritarian bully seeking dominance in the homeland it has little to no right to. I say that only to make the following point. What Hamas did on October 7th, in the name of the beliefs that I just said that I hold, was absolutely abhorrent and deserves the condemnation it received. If you hear that, and your instinctive reaction is to say that those two things that I've just said are completely opposing viewpoints, this is where the algorithm may have programmed you to be unable to approach complex issues with critical thinking and nuance. But I assure you that it is, at the same time, possible to wish for freedom of movement and a peaceful life for the Palestinian people, to accept that it's inevitable extremist cells like Hamas springing up in an attempt to try covert tactics to oppose a brutal and seemingly insurmountable force such as Israel, while also at the same time being horrified by the brutal murder of innocent women and children. It's also possible to view Israel the state as a completely separate entity to that of Israelis, the citizens, even the ones who voted for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. In the same vein, if you're Irish, you are also, unless you are, not Leo Varadkar. And the fact that you were born on this island doesn't mean you share every political ideology that he does simply because he's our Taoiseach. We understand that very much on a local level, but we can kind of lose sight of it when we're discussing happenings in countries further afield. As such, what you end up seeing are people who start behaving like football fans, justifying the unjustifiable and bending over backwards to rationalise what happened on October 7th and sounding like absolute weirdos at Trump rallies in doing so. In one such example, a viral video started getting shared of one Israeli hostage being freed by Hamas and it was a little girl child essentially who was smiling and waving to her captor as she left. People sharing this championed it as some kind of proof that Hamas were the good guys because that backs up their pro-Palestinian stance. And I'm sorry, but fucking what? Like, literally think about this and the video itself and even what you've seen and what you think is the truth. Think about that for longer than the five seconds it took you to hit retweet and you'll realize the person that freed this child is the same person who kidnapped that child. Even if he was like the soundest kidnapper ever, like imagine he let her play with her toys every day and he got her a McDonald's Happy Meal every day. That doesn't make it okay that the fact is there's a good chance he also murdered women and other children just like her. Whereas consider the fact that you can say this, I support Palestine, but I don't support everything Hamas does. Embracing nuance like this and not seeing the world from the context that you have to support every single action of the team you follow not only allows you to sleep better at night because you might be worried that you've accidentally said some horrible shit in defense of them. Embracing complex viewpoints allows us to embrace complex solutions which allows things to get better for the people that we say we want to support. It allows us to have conversations with people we normally wouldn't that may open up our eyes into seeing why they actually feel that way. And I know that mightn't sound pleasant on the face of it, but if we have these conversations and are still convinced we're right, but we approach them respectfully, we might even be able to change some minds and make the world a better place in doing so. But if we act like sports fans and instead just stick our fingers up at the people we dislike saying, oh, I'm right, you're wrong, you're fucking stupid, Ray. Well, the question I'd ask is, how is that working out for us? 
Are things getting better? Is less crazy shit happening every single day? Or does it feel like the entire planet is descending into chaos and war every single time you pick up a paper? Let's leave the banter, the abuse, the tribalism for the terraces when we support our local sports teams. Let's be open to hearing why others arrived at the stage they did and be open to the fact that even behind horrible actions like that of Hamas, there may be something worth fighting for and there may be actual justification in some causes, but people have taken the wrong turn at some points. Let's get back to talking to each other instead of splitting off into Jedi or Sith camps and trying to kill each other instead. Because if you remember correctly, what happened in the end of Star Wars is that at different stages, both the Jedi and the Sith ended up getting fucking wiped out. And believe it or not, there is a way that we can coexist on this rock somewhat in unison, or at the very least, slowly work through issues in a better way that might spare the lives of some innocent people.